All right, y'all. Welcome back to Why the Flip, the podcast where two friends and former journalists talk movies and ask the hard-hitting questions, including Why the Flick? I'm Elizabeth. I'm Claire. And we are back with another mini-sode, which have become my favorite episodes, I have to say. I know. Because you get, I, you I get mean, two. Absolutely. And <laughs> I I mean, I do still love our main episodes where we get to like learn about the movie in a more deep dive and talk through um it, it at length but i also really like having two movies to talk about in one sitting and, and yours always surprised me i never know what you're gonna bring to the table so <laughs> it's a fun time yeah and it really like gives us an opportunity to watch newer movies because that's a kind of our goal with these is to pick newer releases um yeah and if it weren't for that i would just keep rewatching like the same movies <laughs> over and over <laughs> yeah. this um, has forced me to like well, I mean, I would watch new movies anyway, but I've been going to the theater a lot more, as you've seen from my like last two mini shows have been theater releases. Yeah. So I kind of have this podcast to thank for that. Yeah. Um, I did want to update you on a movie I've seen, but I have to ask first to make sure it's not your pick. Does your pick start with W? No. Okay, great. <laughs> so I saw where the crawdads sing. Um, oh. wait, what is today? Thursday. So, uh, last weekend, um, I've read the book you have as well, right? Yep. Okay. Like the book, the movie, I do not recommend. Oh, have you, wow. you haven't seen it, right? No, I okay. haven't seen it. Um, when we went on our trip, my father-in-law was reading the book at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he really liked the book and he does want to go see the movie at some point. So we were thinking of going. Um, so, yeah, that's that's upsetting to hear. But yeah. I think it's always hard to make book adaptations into movies because I think the books are always so much better to me. Yeah, it really depends. And I definitely like I don't go into book adaptations like expecting that it has to follow the book you know word to word or anything um for daisy edgar jones so she um stars in the movie and she's delightful i love her um i watched her in normal people um the series on hulu which is another book adaptation um so she's kind of the saving grace but it is it's what i feared it would be which it's like the pretty nicholas sparks version of that story oh yeah like it's very pretty and very tame can i tell you something yeah nicholas sparks is my guilty pleasure <laughs> oh but i don't like so obviously the notebook i think is universally loved and we mm -hmm. agree it's a good movie and then there are some nicholas sparks movies that aren't really good movies but yeah they're my guilty pleasures too um i just rewatched one recently with um oh, the dancer Jul julian huff how do you say name julian huff um oh, where no, no. she like attempts to kill her abusive husband and then runs away to a beach oh, town that was safe, cool. ha safe, yeah, safe haven haven safe, safe haven house. okay <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, yeah i just rewatched really that recently so no i get it it's just for this i just like the book or if you listen to the taylor swift song that she wrote for this movie is so moody mm -hmm. um and kind of gritty and i wanted more of that but yeah Okay. I definitely, it's not Nicholas Spark vibes in the book, so. Hmm. No, not oh, well. really. Yeah, so there's something I don't recommend. Let's get into movies that we do recommend, right, Claire? At least right. I recommend. Okay, yes. great. Yes. Okay, uh, so let's jump in. 
So my pick is a Netflix release. Ooh. And I am in love. And it is okay. The Sea Beast. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have heard of it, but I haven't watched it. So it's an animated feature. Um, I saw the previews, I don't know, a week or two ago, and I was excited to watch it. Um, it well exceeded like any expectations uh, I had. It's up there now with like one of my definitely one of my favorite animated movies, if not maybe like favorite movie. Um, oh, I don't want to go that far yet. Let's see. Whoa, how, I know. Let's, let's let's see how it holds up over time. <laughs> okay, let me um, read you my description. Maisie, an orphan and daughter of two fallen monster hunters, stows away on the legendary ship The Inevitable to join the hunt for the baddest sea beast of all, the Red Bluster. Along the way, she meets Jacob, a young but seasoned monster hunter who plans to someday become captain of The Inevitable. Awesome. Are you love an adventure sea story? Yeah. yeah. And because I know we like, we usually try to get a theme or a lesson from a movie, especially animated movies. I'll just tell you, I think this is like a cautionary tale about prejudice and propaganda, mm. which seems very fitting for our times. Mm. Deep, deep themes for an mm -hmm. animated movie, which. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we know we love. Okay. So my initial reaction, I'm going to read a couple of um, quotes from different reviews, and of course, I will link to them. Okay. The Sea Beast may be the most ambitious digitally animated project the streaming company Netflix has undertaken to date. Another reviewer said it's wholly unique, and another one said one of the biggest movie surprises of the year. Oh. Yeah, which I think uh, kind of... Lovely. Yeah, encapsulates my feelings about this movie. Um, yeah. I also think... Like in a time when animated movies can sometimes feel kind of copy and paste or predictable, to me, this stands out as something uh, totally different and kind of disruptive to the world of animation. I did see one reviewer who used the word predictable to describe some of this movie. I That's bananas to me. Um, okay. And like in general, the reviews I read all were like, this is something really different okay so let me tell you a little bit about the cast and crew starting with chris williams who is the director of the sea beast so williams actually came from disney he was there for 25 years and wow. as a writer director he worked on mulan the emperor's new groove bolt big hero six and moana and ah, there are definitely yeah <laughs> another great one and there's like there are parallels in the sense of this is also a seafaring adventure story, and the main character is a young girl. But yeah. I really think the comparisons kind of stop there. Like, this still is very much its own thing. Also, fun fact, Chris Williams voiced Oaken in Frozen. Oaken was the trading post guy. Oh! He was like, the... stop for supplies. He was like, hulu! Yeah. <laughs> very, very well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So Williams has had the idea for um, a seafaring adventure movie like this for a long time, but he says he knew that Disney wasn't the right place for it. Um, in fact, he calls the sea beast the antithesis to Disney. And I think a lot of that is about the tone, which I'll get to more later. 
but we, I think we expect a lot of, um, comedy and kind of like what I would call goofiness from animated movies, even the heavy ones are the ones that have like these big meanings, like, you know, maybe like soul. Um, and this movie really kind of strays away from, from that. Uh, Williams also said that he was inspired by adventure and monster movies, including King Kong and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He has also referenced in real life old sea maps um, before the ocean was really or the world was well explored. Um, and the map drawers, there's a word for those people that I can't cut. Cartographers? Cartographers, yes. Um, they would fill in the gaps by like drawing um, sea creatures. Yeah. And it kind of really added, cool. yeah, added to the mystery at the time, which we still, I think it's something like 98% of the ocean we haven't actually explored. It's, it's a pretty high percentage. So right. who knows? They could be out there. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about cast. Captain Crow. So he is the uh, current captain of the inevitable, the uh, most famous or infamous monster hunter ship. He is voiced by Jared Harris. You might know him as Lane from Mad Men or King George in The Crown. He's also in Chernobyl. I don't know his character in that. I've tried watching that series twice and I just haven't been <laughs> able to. I'm sorry. Um, but you definitely, you know him, you know his face. And then I have, this is a little pop quiz for you, Claire. Jacob is voiced by Carl Urban. Do you know who that is? Yeah, he's from The Boys. Yeah, he's Butcher. I love Carl Urban. I know. And he has an amazing voice. Because it's oh, yeah. the same he, voice. He would have the best voice for a seafaring person. Yeah. Are they considered um, pirates or what are, are they just they're like? Not pi they're they're okay. pi pirate adjacent, but they are monster, okay. monster hunters. Yeah. Um, he's voice. also been in Thor Ragnarok and Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is amazing casting choice because he does have this like kind of gruffy voice that actually could have really worked for Captain Crow because he Captain Crow is more the like, he's older, jaded um rough and tumble seafaring guy jacob is kind of he's he's a younger blonde guy um and he's also a monster hunter um but he's not quite as as jaded there's some give there you know he can he's a little mm. open-minded and so it was just kind of interesting to combine his voice with that character and there's just something so comforting about his voice which is in like in, in the boys he's not oh comforting he's he's not a comforting no. character he is a humorous a humor mm -hmm. to him and you know drops the c word every five seconds but you know i still I love, love him <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. maybe it's because i've been watching the boys recently that then hearing that voice in the cps was like it was like <laughs> a comfort to me. yeah like, oh my gosh yeah Carl, you're here with me <laughs> um okay Maisie is voiced by zara's angel hater I think this is her biggest credit, at least starring role to date. She is also in Morbius, which I've not seen and probably never will. Um, yeah. That has, that didn't get good reviews, right? I heard some pretty terrible things about that yeah. movie. Yeah. And I have feelings about Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maisie, the, and I'll talk about that in a second, the character is my favorite part of this movie um, and kudos to the actress. She does a wonderful job. She has this amazing Cockney accent um, that, I don't know, just adds another layer to the character. And I also think 
you know, I don't know how many times in animated movies the leads represent like a different class or like a, oh, well, maybe that's not true, but I don't know. There's just something about it um, that stood out to me. Okay. Yeah. So let me talk a little bit more about Maisie. So she's an orphan and she's clearly running the show at the orphanage. We see that early on. Her parents were monster hunters uh, who died aboard the Monarch, which was also another famous ship, but they died. Uh, she loves adventures. She loves stories about adventures and stories about these sea beasts. Her motto is live a great life and die a great death. Wow. Mm -hmm. And Love she, that. I don't know, maybe she's like 10, I don't know, 10 ish. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, damn, okay. Uh, she is bold and daring and courageous and smart, and she is black. And I don't think we've seen anything like that before. Soul and the Princess and the Frog come to mind in terms of black leads in animated movies. But as we have talked about before, um, there's a, and, and uh, you brought this to the Soul episode, there's a history of black characters in animated films who do not have autonomy over their own body, or they mm -hmm. are like, they um, become an animal in some way. Um, so we saw that in Soul as a cat and Princess and the Frog as, as a frog. Um, and also, like, this story isn't any kind of love story. Um, it's a, I mean, it's a young girl, um, so I think that makes it different right. as well. She's not a princess. Um, and so, you know, that's awesome to see. And in general, the, all the characters, there are a lot of background characters and secondary characters, are incredibly diverse in this movie. So all very Amazing. refreshing yeah good okay lastly i just want to talk a little bit more about tone so other than Maisie, the character i think this is what is so special and awesome about this movie and what makes it stand out um i almost don't want to say too much because to me this was like what was so surprising about it so mm -hmm. if you don't want to hear it's not a spoiler but if you don't want to hear any more yeah. now's your chance Okay, great. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> um, so it the movie starts off like a straight up action adventure movie. There's no silliness, no slapstick comedy. Like this is just nitty gritty adventure. There's um, one action sequence in particular that's it's a really long action sequence, um, and it's like as an action sequence really holds its own against like any other action movie. I would say, yeah. Um, and I don't think I've really seen something like that before in um, animation. But then as the story evolves, so does the tone. We start to get more of that uh, comedy and style that we're used to in animation, um, but it's still uh, sparingly. Even towards the end of the movie, like Maisie almost almost cuts a bitch. I mean, she oh. <laughs> she like goes after <laughs> someone with a knife. So like overall, it's just, it's definitely a more like, um, kind of grown up version yeah. of, of a story. Um, I don't want to say like dark, but there is a like a more of a darkness than maybe what you're used to to seeing. Um, and at first, I was a little unsure about it, but then because it manages to kind of make this switch and evolve, uh, I was just like really blown oh, blown away. And again, that was like a surprise. Um, that was just really nice to see. Yeah, I feel like often when it comes to animated movies, people just have the impression like it has to be for kids and then it, you know, has a tone that's for kids, which I think to some extent is true, but 
at the same time, they can also be for adults. And there's a lot of animation out there that is just for adults and not for kids. And to see, well, I haven't seen the movie, but to know that there's something out there that blends the two even better than potentially Disney does, it definitely intrigues me. Yeah. And I wouldn't say maybe better than Disney, but definitely just different. Um, Yeah. Like when I go in to watch for example, a Disney movie, I kind of like, I know it's going to be feel good. I know what I'm kind of getting into and I want to laugh and it's going to be childlike. Even if there are adult themes, um, it's going to be childlike. And with this movie, I I mean, of course there's still that element to it, um, but it feels much more like, I don't know, maybe grounded in reality. And you don't ever feel like it's talking down to you, or I didn't anyway. Um, You know, I talked about Maisie, the character, and how she's this, you know, badass, strong, bold, confident, daring girl. But it never feels forced. It never feels like it's trying to send a message about girls and women. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just kind of, it just is what it is. And she, it's just so, I really think it's one of the best developed characters I've ever seen in animation. Or or just, I mean, period, maybe. Um, yeah. So yeah, oh, absolutely loved it. Love Maisie. Okay. Let me get to our rating. So IMDb rating sits at 7.1 out of 10 stars. Rotten Tomatoes is 94% critics, 86% audience. Um, okay. My rating. I'll, I'll touch on a couple of criticisms just, you know, give a little a balance. Um, there were, well, I don't want to, get too specific i guess because i don't want to spoil it but there were a couple of just like plot moments that i wish have been a little more developed or kind of skipped over something it's like wait a second um but you know so it's not it's not perfect um i would say more Maisie, particularly in the beginning uh we start with her and then we kind of stray away for a while so give me more Mm -hmm. more Maisie. um there is some stunning animation particularly um, with the water and when they're on the water, I really like the design of the sea beast. Um, there are some really beautiful shots. The facial expressions animation w- wasn't super impressed, um, especially in, in the beginning. It fell a little flat for me. Um, and then some think that maybe it was a little too long. I think it was right at like two hours. Um Oh, I, okay. didn't, I didn't feel that way. I could see where maybe you thought that um, there was too much excess, but um, it didn't drag for me. So anyway, those are some of the criticisms. That said, I give this 4.5 out of 5 flicks. Wow. Nice. Yes. That's The Sea Beast on Netflix. Go watch it. Well, I definitely want to check it out now because I'd seen yeah. someone on TikTok talk about it. And I was like, that looks pretty interesting. And yeah. then when you said you were going to talk about a Netflix movie, I almost thought you were going to talk about The Gray Man at first, which had been which has been out for a little bit. But have you heard yeah. of it? The Gray yeah. Man? Yeah, okay. I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he said Sea Beast, and it was like totally took me by surprise. A delightful surprise. Yeah, I love it. I think there are already even like Oscars whispers Ooh. for the Sea Beast. <laughs> I'm I'm whispering about it now. I'm putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's it. Okay. You're up. I'm really excited I'm to see if you I have one guess, but you go. Okay, go ahead and guess. Cause I was gonna ask, I was gonna give you three guesses since you've been guessing oh, you are? all of okay. my movies. Okay. Yeah. 
I swear um, to God, if you get I don't out, even, really pissed. I don't even know if I have three. Um, persuasion? Nope. Okay. It's okay if you don't have three. I'm like, I don't, I know I had another guess for you too. Oh, maybe where the crawdads thing. I was thinking maybe you were going to do that. Nope. <sighs> Trying to, is it, wait, is it another theater release? I'm not saying. Oh. Okay, I don't know. That's all I got. It's it's nope. It's nope. Oh yeah, no, I would not have guessed. I would not have guessed that. Okay, cool. That was my little bit because I was like, I'm gonna give her three guesses, and every time she guesses wrong, I'm gonna say nope, and nope. then I'm gonna be like, it was nope. You're sneaky. Oh, uh, so yes, it is another theater theatrical release. It is Jordan Peele's third film nope and i was very very excited to get to go see this in theaters um but first the imdb tagline for this movie in case you don't know what it's about haven't seen the previews which are very vague so i get it if you don't exactly know what this movie is going to be about but it goes the residents of a lonely gulk in inland california bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery did you say gulk gulk G-U-L-C. The fuck is that? Oh. <laughs> I don't know what a um, is. <laughs> Google what that is. Um, it's it's kind like... of set in a deserted area. Okay. Um, a like gulk is a, a narrow and steep-sided ravine marking the course of a fast steam. I don't know. A narrow and steep-sided ravine. Basically, they're kind of out in a deserted area, okay. per se. Cool, but cool. essentially it follows two siblings who are trying to run a horse farm and they use the horses for movie productions and TV. So they kind of train the horses to appear in different uh, film and, and TV shows and that sort of thing. And they also live next door to a very small amusement park that is run by a former child movie star. Um, and then there is a very mysterious thing happening. Honestly, like if you have seen the trailers, you can get the sense that it's about aliens and UFOs Ooh. and that kind of thing. So that was the take that he went with it. Um, like I said, directed by Jordan Peele, who also did get Get Out and Us. Unfortunately, I have not seen Get Out or Us. And I really, really, really want to at least see Get Out because I've heard such great things about that movie. But I don't know if, you, if you've seen either of those. Yeah, I've seen Get Out. And then the previews for Us creep me the fuck out. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but Jordan uh, Peele. Wait, what is yeah. it? Jordan Pe Peele. What? Why did I think there was like a third name in there? Um, <laughs> Jordan Peele is like a, um, he's a visionary. It may not be my kind of vision or like typically my thing, but yeah, he's, he's dope. Yeah. He definitely gets butts in seats when you hear yeah. his name. And I think it's a lot of it is because of how successful Get Out was. So as far as the cast goes, you have Daniel Kaluuya, who was also in Get Out. This is the first time they are reuniting since Get Out. He was also in Black Panther. It also stars Kiki Palmer, who got her start in The Barbershop 2, but she was also in Lightyear, most recently the Buzz Lightyear Pixar movie, as one of the voices of the characters. And then we also have Steven Yeun, who we know as Glenn from The Walking Dead, I think. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry if you haven't seen Walking Dead. Still morning. But it's sad. <laughs> um, 
And I think when I saw that he was in this movie, I was like, oh, I can't wait to because I I really like him as an actor and I want to see him in more things. He was also in Minari, I think, and I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, that's been on my list. Yeah. So like I said, it was the top of my list for seeing this movie this summer. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I really love alien movies. So once I got the vibes that it was alien adjacent, then Mm -hmm. I really wanted to see it. I think they also did some really great marketing for this movie. So the poster dropped about a year ago and it was just like, nope. And I think That really sold it for a lot of people, including me, um, because everybody, you know, when they go to see a horror movie, there's a trend of like, nope, don't do that. Don't go in there. And so everyone kind of liked that vibe. And then the trailer came out in February and I was like, I've got to go see this in theater. And I don't typically like to go see horror movies and I would classify this as horror. I don't typically like to go see it in the theater, but then I think. I think the thing about Jordan Peele and this movie, it felt like it was going to be something that was consumable for people who maybe don't really like to watch horror that much. But this was an easy watch for those who maybe are a little afraid of going to see a horror movie, especially in theater. (laughs) Um, It's interesting, like, thinking of alien movies as horror movies. mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I always just think of them as alien movies. But yeah, they're usually fucking terrifying. Well, would you, do you think Signs is scary? I was just going to ask you that question. It is scary. So is it a horror movie? I guess. And I mean, M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I mean, he definitely, I think, fits that Uh genre. Um, So anyway, Yeah. yeah, went to go see it in theaters. Scared the shit out of me as you would expect. Um, I was never afraid of alien abductions, but maybe I am now um, given what the movie covered. There were definitely good jump scares. One where I audibly gasped and then had, I went to see it with my sister-in-law and our friend and I had to turn and tell my sister-in-law, I'm sorry. (laughs) And she laughed. Um, There was like a really creepy scene in the beginning where I was like, the fuck is that? And no, 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 no. And we were all kind of laughing. Um, That's the thing is like, there's scary moments in this movie, but I also laughed a lot. And I think it did a really good job of balancing the scares with the comedy. Um, Just you need something to alleviate the anxiety that you're feeling watching this movie. And then I also got out of the movie and was like, what the fuck did I just watch? It was something where I knew I liked it. I just was like, I couldn't like put it into words what it was. So this is definitely more of a thinker, a think piece, if you will, that you're going to have that you'll sit for a few days and mull over it and then hopefully Hmm. love it even more as I have. That's cool. You're you're talking me into it. I don't know if I'm brave enough to see it in the theater, but I I'm not really a horror movie person. But we've um or I've mentioned it before. Maybe when we were doing Scream, um, mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods is like to me a like thinker um, movie and has a lot of commentary and is scary and um, funny. Um, and I really do like that. So I feel like I would. Be I think it. if. 
I can do it. Anybody can do it because <laughs> I definitely get scared. And I, but I really wanted to see it in the theater. And I'll get into why I think you should see it in theater. But first, I want to talk about the performances from the cast. I think everybody was amazing, honestly. Like, no really notes on anyone else. Maybe like a few on some other outline outlining characters, but. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is so great. He kind of plays the brother who is a little bit more reserved and he just kind of wants to focus on raising his horses and his farm and living that life. Um, well, not a farm, maybe necessarily, but just like the the ranch. And then you have Kiki Palmer, who is just like such a bright shining light in this movie. She wants to be a star and she just has such a great personality it comes through um in the movie and she also has such a really great character arc from beginning to end then we have Stephen young who have already like given many many praises for i think he is uh, has a certain level of like unhingedness that i've never seen before mm -hmm. from him as an actor it was great and then also i want to give a shout out to brandon perea who I think this is one of his first films and he was my I, I, honestly but it's really hard to pick a favorite character <laughs> but if i had to if you made me i'd say he's I'm definitely probably one of them okay i cool. loved him so much i think he was great in this role so phenomenal cast the cinematography in this movie is also so stunning the scope of the shots are vast and unique and beautiful when they do a lot of cameras tilting up to the sky to see the the UFO and hmm. when you when it does that like i found myself tilting my head back in the theater like also like what's up there <laughs> that's funny i wonder um, if he so, uses the yeah. same cinematographer uh as as what as his other movies oh in all of them yeah oh um I don't know, but the cinematographer is Hoyt Van Hoytema, who was the cinematographer in Interstellar. Yeah, that's right. I was like, I remember that name. Ooh, yep. nice. Okay, yes. wow. I'm you're convincing me. And here's the other thing: it was filmed on IMAX cameras. Ooh. So definitely, if you're gonna go see it, I'd see it in an IMAX theater. I saw it in an XD theater, which was kind of, I think, similar, but. It was shot with in an IMAX camera, and I think it's meant to be really appreciated and seen in an IMAX theater. I wonder if that's becoming um, a new trend because Oppenheimer I saw is also was mm. shot um, on IMAX, and I I think yeah. I saw Avatar in IMAX, but I really don't remember like the experience. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I know I definitely did not in our little town movie theater but i did go i mean we did see nope in xd and i think it's you definitely need to see it on the biggest screen and the most immersive like experience that you can possibly find because it's just the scenes are so stunning and beautiful hmm. um it's also not what you expect out of an alien movie which i kind of like because alien movies have been done before um, and there are similarities, like we already mentioned signs. I think there's some similarities to War of the Worlds, but it's also a very like completely new take on the genre. So go into it expecting the unexpected, and I think you'll be delightfully surprised. All right. 
So there are uh, the theme I think of this episode is talking about themes <laughs> because <laughs> there's a lot of themes in this movie as you would expect from from Jordan Peele. I think he always has a great way of well, I haven't seen Get Out, but I know the concept and I know that there's a lot of messages that um people can take and that he's trying to show in his movie so i just want to talk through some of those and i don't think really any of these are that much of a spoiler in fact it might be nice to know some of this going into it just so you can have a sense of like understanding what you're watching because it's not it's not always very clear and that's where the thinking after the fact if you're like what was he trying to tell me comes into play so I'll, I'll go through some of the themes that i think were in this movie and a lot of it i did have to you know read articles on so i'm gonna link all of those in in the show notes people who are way smarter than me um deduced a lot of this they don't yeah. exist <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> so the first big theme potentially like the biggest theme is spectacle and Peel described spectacle in an uh, interview that he gave as our human need to see something crazy. Oof. And yeah, he really wanted to explore that coupled with our, as humans, dark relationship to it. And he likened it to um, like when you see a car crash and you're driving by, you can't, people can't help but like rubberneck and look and see what has happened. And he really gets into the danger of our human need to want to watch spectacles. So, a yeah, lot to, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, a lot to unpack. <laughs> right. Even just like not even a car accident, like all the media and images we consume, just like on yes. social media. Yes. It's like, I don't really want to see that, but I'm watching it. <laughs> right. There is that some was another kind of example. Instinct. Yeah. There's a biblical quote that comes up in the beginning that I almost like had completely forgotten about, but it, it says, I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, make you a spectacle. And so Damn. that's a Bible verse. And so that kind of sets the tone for what you're about to watch. There's also uh, teases to like what is called in the movie a quote-unquote bad miracle. Um, and I think that kind of connects to, you know, with the Bible verse and the idea of a bad miracle. A miracle is very much, you know whatever you believe could be a product of God or some sort of faith-based thing, but a bad miracle is when amazing things happen, but they can also be a horrifying occurrence, like a UFO mm -hmm. where you're like amazed by this thing right. existing, but it's also, what are the implications of this? Right. Um, it's like nature yeah. can be beautiful, but can also be very deadly and yeah. Right. And it's also very like meta too with this movie, because I think, and Peel has i think said it himself where nope is itself a spectacle where people are wanting to go see what this is um and so it the movie itself going actually the act of going to see this movie is a spectacle which is very trippy um so that's one and the second theme kind of goes along with it but it's the exploitation of spectacle particularly in hollywood um they have a lot of themes around turning horrible things into entertainment and the siblings you know once they realize that 
they think a UFO is is in their gulk, whatever you want to call it. Um, they want to capture it on camera, and mm. they talk about getting the Oprah shot of like you know if we can just capture this on camera, really show what it looks like. You know, there's like rich and rich and famous opportunities that we could get. Um, I think the sister is, is a little bit more like that than the brother is in the film, but there's definitely a connotation of like obsession with clout and wanting to have your moment of fame um, at the expense of like this spectacle that's happening. Yeah. I've seen a couple of social media clips um, recently and I can't remember some awful horrific thing happening we have video of it. We get video of everything now and then blast all over the news. But in the, in the clips, you can hear the person recording say, I have it on video. I have it on video. Like almost like bragging about it. Mm-hmm. And whether that's because they want, you know, their moment or it's just, I, I mean, it's almost like we've just been conditioned. Like that's what you're supposed to do now is something interesting or horrific happens. You just like put your camera up and it's ugh, yeah. weird. Yeah. There's definitely a part. Like T- I won't give it too much away, but TMZ gets kind of brought up in the movie and there's definitely conversation of like, where's my camera? Where's my camera? Um, get the camera, get the camera versus some other stuff that I won't give away. But yeah, that that definitely yeah. comes into play. Um, so that's those are kind of twofold themes. The other theme, this theme stood out to me the most is like what I tried to take away from it in the very beginning or at least by the end of the movie but it's our need and obsession to control nature and Mm. there's a lot of parallels of like controlling and taming predators and the unpredictability of animal behavior so the ufo is kind of treated like a predator in a way where they're they're trying to like get it to do things that it's not going to be able to do because it's this alien thing um Mm. and that stood out to me the most i think out of this movie yeah, that's a, another interesting theme. I'm into it. Yeah. Then there's also um, another theme. This is the last theme, theme I'll bring up, but a discussion, I think, about minorities in Hollywood. And I think, you know, when Jordan Peele set out to make this movie, he said um, it's not like necessarily about race, but it's really hard to make a movie with minority cast and not have it be, you know, at least a little bit of a, of a discussion around race. And so in the film, there's talk of erasure. Um, the siblings have a unique backstory. So this is a real fact. So like the first motion picture was a two second clip of a black man riding a horse. And so in mm. the uh, film, well, in, I think in real life the jockey's unknown, but in the film, the jockey is their great great grandfather. Hmm. Um, and so they're kind of the descendants of that, and they call him the quote unquote first movie star um for being in the first motion motion picture of history. But okay. nobody nobody knows who this jockey really is. And so they get into, you know, that as as black individuals feeling like their contributions to cinema go on go neglected and unfounded yeah i was just looking up because i think i can picture that um mm-hmm. that there's a gif picture. of it yeah yeah um that's crazy that we don't know who that is 
I'm pretty sure when I was looking at, I mean, it is fictionalized as far as like him being their great, great grandfather. Um, So I think the name is fictionalized. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. (laughs) There's also some, I think metaphors around tokenism. So, you know, having your token minority character in whatever you're watching, whether it be a movie or a TV show and Steven Young's character comes into play, I think a lot with this because he was a child actor um he was in a movie in in the movie he was in a movie called kid sheriff and there's an article i read where you know he is an asian person and at the time when kid sheriff came out it was probably a spectacle to have an asian character play a cowboy just because of our um, you know that not that not being something widely seen in media at the time. Um, so they get into that a little bit. And then I think there's also something to be said about the four people. I mean, four people I've mentioned as characters in this movie are all minorities and they're all trying to like get footage of the UFO. Um, I think there's some, you know, there's some underlying things, themes there as far as minorities in Hollywood go, but yeah, that, um, those were kind of the biggest themes that I took away from it. Very cool. Yeah. And I mean, as far as criticisms go, I think that's a like twofold thing. So there are a lot of themes there that could be like good and bad. Like there's so much to like take in. What do you come away with? Um, I had to read a little bit more to understand what I was supposed to take away. And sometimes, you know, people, don't necessarily want to like go to have to like research or read an article to know what they just watched. I kind of like that. I like that. Um, I, it was like, I knew what they was trying to tell me, but it couldn't quite form the words or quite form the ideas. Right. When we left the theater, it took me a few days to like sit on it and be like, Oh, I get it. And um, that's probably what I liked the most about it. And there's also like a little bit of, there's a twist well, I won't say what the twist is, but I think once you realize the twist or like see the twist play out, some of the mystery and magic gets taken away um, just like a little bit. But there's definitely still a bit of unknowingness there. Um, yeah. So as far as how many flicks I give this movie, um, first I'll say the weekend box office um, uh how much it grossed uh was 44 million i think it costs something like 60 million to make so it's a little bit under but i think they'll make it back um you know depending on it's like the first weekend it came out so i think they'll still be fine yeah it might just be like a slower burn yeah it is the i did read it's the highest opening weekend tally for an original film since us in 2019 an original film wow damn fully original like yeah original screenplay mm-hmm. not an adaptation probably like original cons yeah not an adaptation original not like from, not like you know marvel movie or anything right. like that um, wow yeah <laughs> that's all it's like that could say a lot about the the movie nope and jordan peele or could say mm-hmm. a lot about how many are, of our movies are just adaptations? And I mean, that's very, very true, I think. Yeah, crazy. 
So as far as ratings go on IMDb, it, it's a 7.6 out of 10. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, um, I just had to pull it up because I like got it this morning and then looked and it had just changed when we started recording. So it's 81% fresh from critics and 70% fresh from audiences. As far as what I give this movie, I think like... When I first left the theater and I was thinking about what I'd score this, um, initially I was like, I think it's like a four out of five. Like, I really, really liked it, but I was still like, what the fuck did I just watch? I'm a little confused. Um, and then upon further research and sitting and thinking on it, like, I have grown to really, really love this movie so much. Um, I think it's it's interesting because I didn't I didn't see Get Out. And it got to the point where this movie was coming up and I almost didn't want to see Get Out before mm -hmm. I saw Nope because I wanted to just um, have like a fresh experience. And this is my first like Jordan Peele movie that I've seen. Um, and I really liked it. So ultimately, after all of that, I'm bumping it up to a 4.9. It's so Damn, good. Okay. It's so good. Wow, I love right. it. I love it. I want to go see it again. Honestly, like if I can, I'd go see it at IMAX. We'll see. Um, hopefully, maybe I'll try to find someone to go see it with before it leaves theaters. But yeah, I just, I really like this movie. So absolutely, you should go see this movie. It's great. You'll have a fun time. Okay. I think you persuaded me. Yay! <laughs> All right. Please go see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We're begging. Please. Go see yeah. these movies. Um, um. All right. Well, um, if you're listening to this and you like our podcast, Please go and rate, review, and subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, a bunch of others. Basically, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Um, give us five stars, write a review. We are also on social at Why the Flick on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, <laughs> and Letterboxd. I didn't know which one I wanted to say next. Um, <laughs> then they all got jumbled. <laughs> but yeah, go follow us at Why the Flick. Okay, so next week, we're back to a main episode, and it is Elizabeth's pick. So, Elizabeth, what are we going to be? I don't know what it is, so what are we going to be that. watching? Okay, so let me tell you first what inspired it. Get ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, we recently did two picks by big-name directors, mm -mm. James Cameron, Steven Spielberg. And as we should, they, they are wonderful. Um, but it got me thinking, who is a woman in the film industry who has had similar impact and longevity? Mm. And I came up with Nora Ephron herself. And, yes. And so we will be talking about You've Got Mail. You know, I forgot I was supposed to, you've got mail. No, that wasn't good. I'll work on it. I'll work on it before the main episode. Okay. Um, it is, yes, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about it and to talk about Nora Ephron. So if you're like, I'm not into you've got mail, first of all, how dare you? But also yeah. then tune in to learn more about Nora Ephron and some other, some other good stuff. Also, if you don't like, you've got mail um but you like tom hanks 
and Meg Ryan, then yeah. you should still watch it or, and listen to our episode. For sure. So I'm that's so it. excited. I'm so glad you picked this movie. Yay! Yay! I love, <laughs> I love, I love. You've got mail. Oh, so good. 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 Okay. All right. Well, until next week, we'll talk to you guys later.